Vegas is your place for all things Grand Rapids Griffins and all things Toledo Walleye. This is the Hockey Town West Podcast with your host, Brandon Cook and Nick Harrington. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Hockey Town West Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon. And I'm Nick. Welcome to the Thursday episode of the show. This is a weird one for us, buddy, because uh, normally between recording, there's a game, and there really hasn't been. There was the All-Star game, but nothing else. The boys have been on break, and they're on break still till Friday. Yeah, I mean, everybody's on break right now, except for, like, juniors. Uh, slowly, everybody's coming back. They had a shot a game or two yesterday, a game or two tonight. Um so yeah, in the HL, I don't know if I they're still on right. HL's off till Friday. Which you know what? Everybody's complaining about it, but honestly, it's good for the guys. You know how much travel, like this is their like vacation period, and we're complaining because there's no hockey. <laughs> like, I know, right? We're the ones complaining, and they're the guys on vacation finally after all the hard work they do. And talk about like sheer luck for Bergie, like. He ends up at the All-Star Game in San Jose, which is a great vacation destination by any means. You know, it's not a bad place to go visit. And the NHL guys had to go up to cold Toronto. So Bergie plays on Friday, gets Saturday off, goes and does All-Star stuff Sunday, Monday, and is in California already. He can go relax, do whatever, before he has to come back to Grand Rapids and play on Friday. So, like, he kind of had the perfect setup, you know? Yeah, and I, I don't know if anybody else follows him, but he was over in uh, Alcatraz Island the other day. Uh, he had posted. So he's sightseeing. He's he's enjoying it. And that's, I think this was after the All-Star game, so it was like a day or two after. But, I mean, if anybody deserves a break, that guy between – I mean, we laugh and joke about how much Brogan Rafferty has to continue to commute. But uh, there was that time in the beginning of the season, Briggy was up and back – like. Up and down, up and down, up and down between the two teams. So he 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 needs to take that time. Yeah, it's good for him. And then I know Bob mentioned in the last broadcast of the last game that a lot of the guys were staying in Grand Rapids or staying in Michigan. You know, they weren't doing any traveling really. I know you mentioned uh, Lombardi's and Flint tonight at the Firebirds game. Yeah, and uh, it, a lot of guys just stuck around. Which I mean, lucky them. The weather's been absolutely perfect this week. If you're going to take yeah, a week off, I mean. Tomorrow, 54 and sunny. Half the golf courses in the town are already open. Like, you know, you know, there's guys golfing like 100 percent. Oh, yeah. Getting the swing ready for Friday. (laughs) It all worked out well for them. Hope they had a good all star break. Hope everyone else has found something to entertain themselves with. That's, you know, not hockey for a little bit. But we do have an exciting stretch of games coming up this weekend against the Manitoba Moose. We got back to back with the moose in Grand Rapids. How are you feeling about this, after, especially after our last moose trip? So the moose were desperate last time we played them, and they were on a like a six-game losing streak or eight-game. They were on a huge losing streak, hadn't won a game. So they were they came out desperate, and we almost lost. Like, we both looked at this. was like, these could be trap games for us. Like, we should win these, but uh, it didn't play out that way, and they the moose kept it very close. From uh, at least the Saturday night game, I know the Friday one I think was a little bit more spread out, or maybe oh, they were close. both close. Remember, because the, the, we had to come back in both of them by three goals. Oh yeah, so yeah, the oh. moose this week. I'm nervous. I'm hoping like not everybody's rusty, or at least on our side. Hopefully, Waddy's got him at least riding the bike or something. 
Yeah, I think they're back in town by today. At least they're practicing today, which is Wednesday. So I, I think they, they'll have a couple days of practice in there. I'm assuming the first period is going to just be an absolute crapshoot. The boys are going to look slow on both sides. It's going to be ugly. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see, too, because Bergie spent a lot of time playing with uh, Brad Lambert and Capobianco uh, from the Moose in the All-Star Tournament. So it'll be interesting to see those guys go against each other after that. But, yeah, I mean, the Moose, like you said, they were struggling, man. It was they when we played them, they were on a pretty bad stretch. They're four, five, and one in their last ten. They did win their last game they played. It was against Rockford. They did us a favor there. But, you know, not much has changed since we previewed them. That's why we're not going to really dive in and do a full preview on the games here because it's only been, what, two two weeks? weeks? Like, we're not going to bore you all with talking about their leading scorers again. Yeah. But before we jump into what we're actually going to talk about, predictions for this weekend, do you have any? It's going to be a fun time. Princess Nights Friday, I think, right? Saturday, I think. Saturday is the tea party. So uh, last year we won the tea party game. This year we're going to win the tea party game. Friday, I can't remember. It's, uh, it's just $2 beer, $2 hot dogs. I, yep, nothing I mean, crazy going on there. I, it's crazy to think we're on a seven-game win streak right now, right? Seven? Or are we on eight? We're six games, seven. but we've won seven straight on the road. So six games one in a row the one loss before that was in overtime so seven in regulation seven in regulation so i mean First, it, we haven't lost in seven regulation games then sorry it would be sick to go nine to get both these i know a lot of times they're looking to get the split but to get two more to push this streak would be i mean i'm out of the all-star break you go on the all-star break with a huge win streak like Hopefully, maybe they come back at the All-Star break and they're like, we're at zero. You know, let's let's start the streak again, like over kind of thing. I hope that's kind of like the, the mindset. Um, and I hope they just go out and start it up, you know, get the two. I got a good feeling about Friday, too, because while you, we were talking there, I was just glancing. I'm like, I wonder what, like, the ticket situation looks like for Friday. Because the past two games, you know, there was a lot going on in Grand Rapids and those games were pretty packed. And uh, the entire lower bowl is almost sold out already and the upper bowl is about half sold out for Friday night. It's still two days to go. So it's usually it's a good like, sign that Friday night's going to be a good time. It's like that for like the, almost the rest of the season. I moved our seats for a lot of the games or tried to like combine like extra tickets. And it it's sold out a lot of the, uh, at least lower bowl for a lot of the games for the rest of the season. So, uh, which is a good thing because we talked about this last year is like the team was so bad, but we're still like tickets are still being sold and like they're still filling up the, the, the arena. I'm wondering if we actually like have butts and seats the second half, you know, like you've watched too much Shorzy lately. I can tell you that right now. What are you talking about? I'm just saying like there was a, it. we looked at the attendance last year and we're like, it didn't feel like there was that many people, but like there was, they reported that much attendance, but I don't think people actually showed up and they were giving away tickets a lot at the, at about this time last season. Yeah. Too. Because the, the, the team responds to that, too. I mean, honestly, they, they feel the energy. They want to perform when there's a crazy crowd in, in front of them or behind them. Oh, 100%. And it's always just more fun for everybody when it's a packed house, except for the beer line. That's the only part that really sucks. But That's what I was going to say. <laughs> that, that doesn't bother you. It you know, no. bothers only some of us. 
Um, yeah, man, it would be good to see the boys if the boys can come away with two wins here again, extend the winning streak, man. Go six to eight. It would be a lot more fun to sit down with our special guest on Sunday when we record Monday's episode and be able to introduce him as a guy playing on the team that's on a heater right now that's won eight games in a row. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's and and he had a uh, a hand in the last one. So hopefully this weekend we're gonna just give him a podcast bump now. Uh <laughs> he's gonna finish with like four goals, two assists. He's gonna be buzzing. A couple penalties drawn. If that's the case, man, like perfect timing for us. But oh yeah, you know, we, we hope it goes well. Do we do we tell the people his name? Do we? I think they. Or we think, just leave it a hint. Should we just like give it a hint? You're gonna, he's gonna hint on it so anyone watching on YouTube can clearly see. Ooh, yeah. Who it is. I like, I like that move. If you're curious, then you got to go to this part of the episode on YouTube and look where Nick's pointing, and it'll give you the hint. Not, we're not interviewing you. We interview you every week. But yeah, no, we do have a fun interview coming up. We are both super excited for it. We have a couple coming up now, and this is exactly where we wanted to go with this podcast is get more people on that all of you guys want to hear from. And we're both ecstatic about this, but yeah, so that's exciting things coming up. Be ready for Monday's episode. We're both stoked for it. We wanted to get it to you guys during the all-star break, but scheduling didn't work like that, but Hey, we'll take what we can get. And all I got to say is we appreciate the Grand Rapids Griffins for working with us and making this a possibility. Even we're, we are, one year into this podcast and we kind of still feel like nobody's and we're able to have these opportunities to talk to these guys. So it's super fun for us. We're excited. Trust us. We'll ask some good questions. We won't no softballs, but nothing that's going to get him in trouble. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, I think that's the hardest part for me to find those, those questions. Oh, so. it'll be fun. It'll be good, but looking forward to that. So the rest of this episode, we got two things to talk about. We're halfway through the season, kind of a little bit over. And we have some Toledo updates that we've got to talk about. The second half of the episode will be our new segment, Toledo Thursdays. I think that one fits perfectly. We always try to fit them in on the Sunday recording when we post for Monday. It never happens because there's so much Griffin stuff that happens over the weekend. We can usually tell you, hey, they won, hey, they lost. But we can't really dive into the team and what's going on. But Thursdays, we can definitely reserve some time for it. So going forward, we'll have Toledo Thursdays. But we're halfway through the Griffin season. We are second in the division technically, but we're tied for second with Texas. This is around exactly where both you and I predicted the team would end the season when we talked in our season preview. Griffins are 40 games played with 32 remaining, 20 wins, 15 losses, four overtime loss, one shootout loss, so at a cool 45 points with a goal differential of 121 goals for to 116 against. So at this exact point right now, how do you feel about what has happened so far this season? So we knew that it was going to take time for them to gel. We knew that we had a ton of talent on this team. Uh, we have draft picks. We have a ton of people that have played in the NA. Well, yeah, played played considerable amount of games in the NHL. Not just Bergy, but Sardik has, and uh, so is Hutch. So I mean, we've and Edvidson got a good run last year. So, and then our journeyman too of like Brogan Rafferty, he's been in the NHL. But we've had a lot of like they brought in this veteran presence. They brought in Dan Watson. 
we knew it was going to take time to gel. I think we've we called this in the beginning of the season. It's going to take time. Uh, the first two games that we won, we were like, holy crap, uh, this went unexpected and we we were good. Like we won. Cool. Excited. And then when we lost, like during the season, I think we went a stretch of like seven straight road games. We lost like we're like, OK, and we still had Bergy. Bergy kept flipping back and forth in the beginning of the season. So like we didn't come into this season expecting him to be on the team. We expected him to be in Detroit. So for him to stay here, be on the heater that he has been, I think he's what two points per game, kind of. I think that's where he lines up at right about now. He's a one point one zero points per game. Okay, so almost two. <laughs> he's got a little ways to go for two, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I get what you're saying. Uh, yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, producing the way he is, we Simon was a surprise as well for a lot of people. Uh, they expected him with the call-up slasher being up in Detroit. So for this team to respond and have the, the 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 players that they do, who's still showing up, they're still performing, they're still putting up points. And the, the injuries that we've had, where like Taro was out for a little bit, we've had um, Matt Loff has been, he still hasn't come back. And a couple guys have kind of rotated as well, but we knew this, it was going to take time for this team to gel. Like, Plain and simple. We knew it was going to take time to adjust to the system, to gel. We saw a lot of turnovers, but as the weeks continued to go, the team really did gel. The team really did come together, and we knew it was going to take time for Kosa as well to get going too. But he's been on a heater. Like everything is falling exactly what we told everybody in the beginning. <laughs> I'm not trying to say I told you so, but like if you go back through. We knew it was going to take time. We knew how Dan Watson coached last year in Toledo, and we it's a direct reflection of what he's been able to do here in Grand Rapids. As a first-year coach, it's impressive to me. Like, first year in the le- in this league, it's impressive to me. Um, and everything we've, like, complained about, it's been fixed the next game or the next weekend. And we don't typically see the same mistakes continually through. We're literally always improving each week, it seems like. So... Um, to be where we're at right now, we have we have a game on hand on Texas and on Rockford. And like you said, Brandon, we're tied with points with Texas and Rockford. We've got a set, if I quick math, seven point lead on. I mean, this this is looking good. Like I'm thinking playoffs. I'm like, when are the playoffs going to start? How much are they going to be like? I've got that in my head and I have to like a budget and plan accordingly for the rest of the season, because this team is, I don't think it's going to fall off. I think they're trending in the right way. Barring injury, barring call-ups, like w- this team is completely different from last year too. Like we had so many call-ups back and forth between Toledo to Grand Rapids from Grand Rapids to Detroit. And like the team is set up really well. Like, the other thing too is the veterans. Like we were kind of nervous about the veterans. Like, is this the right group of people like with the team? They kind of proved it that the veterans started kicking in the gear. That's a good summary of the season <laughs> so far. I mean, again, like you mentioned one thing. We had a stretch where we lost seven games or so in a row on the road. Like we could not get a win on the road. I don't think we got our first road win. God, until like the end of November fourth. 
November okay. 4th. The season started on October 13th, and November 4th is what it took us to get our first win on the road. So that was a four-game four losing streak on the road before we got that one. And then again, the next couple road trips, I mean, we went on a five-game road losing streak right after that. So all of a sudden, at this point, you've played nine games on the road, and you've won one. That was... Yeah. That was that was rough for us, and I have to point out too: we're forty games in. Twenty-one of our first forty were on the road. So when you're struggling on the road like that, you're going to put yourself in a hole. And lately, I mean, we had the five-game win streak that kicked in, uh, you know, December twenty-seventh, right after Christmas, up until January sixth. Five games in a row felt great. We lost three in a row, and it's like, okay, what's going on? One of those was an OT. You know, that weekend that we had the snowstorm here in Grand Rapids, the two games against Rockford that really sucked. All three of those games we lost that that time frame, though, were all at home. The script had flipped completely. We had won a bunch yeah. of games on the road suddenly, and we started losing at home. And now suddenly we found balance because we haven't lost since then going into this weekend. The last knock loss was that second Rockford game. Yeah, knock on wood. The Rockford overtime loss was the last loss this team had. And the, what this team looks like just from January 13th to now is so different already. I mean, we saw guys kick it into gear like Marco Casper. Marco Casper went on an insane point run after Christmas. It was like 11 points in 10 games, playing incredible. Sebastian Costa, like you said, playing incredible. Yes, the season started ugly, but... The right guys kicked it in at the right time. Yeah. And, I mean, now you look at it and we're winning games consistently. The team is super fun to watch. Whether we're winning or losing, they are fun to watch, except for that one game against Rockford. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, man, like things are things are good. I know it's not gonna be perfect. It's there's gonna it's gonna be a battle. I mean, look at the teams we are up against in this division. Look how close it is still. Like, I look at this weekend ahead. Yes, we play Manitoba as the worst team in our division right now. But they're no slouch. They've shown before that they can win games. And they're just going through a rough patch. When are they going to come out of it? Who knows? Iowa? I don't think they're going to come out of their rough patch this year. Chicago was one of the worst teams almost in AHL history and has turned it around, and they're fifth in the division. Rockford's right ahead of them. And then you got Texas with us in Milwaukee. And ironically, Texas plays Rockford on Friday. In Milwaukee on Saturday. Oh. So every week we're going to be talking about what the Texas Stars and what the Milwaukee Admirals and what the Rockford Ice Hogs are doing. We're at that point in the season where we have to start paying attention to that. And last year it was what are the Chicago Wolves doing at the bottom here with us? Are we going to sneak in ahead of them? Like what's going on, you know? It's and tight. now we're talking what are the top teams in the division doing at this time of year? It's a complete change of pace from last year. And credit obviously to the players right a lot of credit is to them for figuring themselves out figuring out this team but there is a hell of a lot of credit that goes to dan watson and this coaching staff what he's been able to do with what he has in front of him because like yes we questioned some veterans at the beginning of the season we were like what does this all make sense at the end of the day are those guys still the right fit for the team we don't know it's too it's still too early for me to say that they're the right choices we'll see what the playoffs and the playoffs is when those guys are going to really be crucial to be supporting this team. But with what he's has to work with, Dan Watson has done an absolutely fantastic job. 
Yeah, I wonder what he would have done with this team last year with the roster that we had. Like, how much of a difference is like how Sean brought these guys, Sean Horkoff brought these guys in of, you know, Brogan Rafferty, the the traveling man, uh, Josiah Didier, the the captain, you know, um, bring in Hutt. Michael Hutchinson. I mean, the the yeah. other big surprise because last year we went through five different goalies by this time of the year, and we were rotating them out every period. Like it, that's at least that's how it felt. So we, we've only we seen really... three this season. Well, don't count who. So we've only seen three. Because Latham spent some time up here. Yep. So Coase, Latham, get... and did he yeah, get a Coase game? Or... Latham? I don't know if he got to play. I think he got put in a game. Remember when Hutch was sick and then Coase was sick? It was oh, a yeah, really was weird when the flu bug went through the soccer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember that? We went through those yeah. tough stretches at the beginning of the season where the team was trying to figure themselves out and a nasty flu bug tore through that locker room for about four weeks, what it felt like. Yeah, I do remember that. So, I mean, yeah, that I forgot about that. I mean, it's. I think the other thing, too, is that these veterans had been here a long time dom shine you know um sarnik's been here for a little bit but i think of like dom shine taro hirose your wyatt new power uh th- those guys that have been here the last few years like Waddy came in and he he is a player's coach um, that's what everybody oh and tyler speech Gillespie, like they've been here for a little bit um it's speaking of speech he's a player's coach everybody loves dan watson and speech had said that before is like he really would run through a wall for this guy and so like i think it did take a little bit of time for the veterans to really trust what wadi was telling them and like how they were doing things i think that's also it took a little bit of time for them to start performing and wadi putting them in the right positions and spots and then you got your new guys like Amadeus and Marco and Paul Linder who needed that time to like adjust to either speed size uh, size of the ice or just like the timing of you know everything coming in and then also Tua was out for a whole month or two so I mean like once he came back he was just flying so I think that's like everybody kind of merged at the same time of like rookies were bought in ready to go this is just my opinion um bought in ready to go and the the older the veteran guys were like i don't know about this guy yet and now the new guys have adjusted to the size the speed the the ice rink and then your veterans have now bought into wadi system and how it's working and now i mean we're just going up you know a lot like dan campbell the last three years (laughs) it's crazy when you look at like our organization like detroit as a whole right you just look at the coaching changes the culture changes across detroit sports sorry pistons we're gonna leave you out of this one yeah like as a whole like the red wings organization has fantastic coaches up and down assistants and head coaches and support staff up and down some of the best in in hockey in football they have some of the best coaches in football in baseball they have some of the best people in baseball like the culture of just winning, but also being a gritty, difficult team to play against, encompasses all the sports that we support and enjoy watching. It's a really special time when you think about it like that, because everything is kind of coming together as as one, and it's going to be a lot of fun sports for many years to come. Whether these coaches, you know, stick around as long as we hope they all do, but it, it is exciting now. 
there's one thing to also realize with the Griffins is the end of the season schedule. It is not going to be easy by any means. Almost every game except I think three or four are divisional matchups yep. in this division that is mostly separated by three or four points here and there in each position. I mean, we play the Rockford Icehawks, who are right behind us. You said, what, seven points? Yep. And we play them six more times. We play the Chicago Wolves five more times. We play Milwaukee, I think, four more times. We play Texas twice only, which is nice. Some Manitoba games in there are only relief from the division where if you lose some important divisional games and to make up points, are your four games left, sorry, five games left against the Cleveland Monsters. Which, they're the top of the division, of their division. They are no slouch either. So they're a high-scoring, dangerous team. So it, this is not going to be easy by any means. This is really going to show the what the identity of this Griffins team is. Are you ready? I'm going to flip the script. So oh boy. out of the next 32 games that we have left, 20 of them are at home. How many are away? 12. Is that really it? I, I, I believe so. I think that math checks out. 32 games left, 20 at home. I, I did go to Flint school, so I... I see 15 road games, 17 home games. So 17... So you're, so 17. you're close. Your, your Flint math is a little off. <laughs> 17 at home, 15 away. Home advantage, finally. But at the same time, that hasn't always been an advantage for Grand Rapids this season, so... What do you mean? Well, we went through some stretches of losing home games, too. We, we, as soon as we flipped the script and started winning on the road... We weren't winning at home, but we found balance now. Oh, I thought you were going to mention the puck incident. I don't talk about the puck incident because I'm just deathly afraid that it is going to factor into something like it's going to like, you know me, I'm pretty high on the playoff train right now. I'm pretty sure we're, we're feeling pretty good there. But is that puck incident going to be the difference in us playing the stupid best of three playing round or you know, or going to the best all of five games. right away? Yeah. Or that too, you know, <laughs> so we won't talk about that. But overall, I mean, it's going to be a challenge, but I think this might be one of the better Griffins teams to be able to take on this challenge. So there's comparisons made every week of this team to past championship teams. And I'm not going to write them off and say they can't do it. Once you're in, you're in. You have a chance. You have the same chance that everybody else does. Yep. So we just got to get there, and I have a pretty confident we will. And, you know, looking through some of these veterans, looking at their points in the playoffs and past teams, we might we might be looking pretty good there. Mr. Brogan Rafferty's pretty good in the playoffs. Um, so I, I'm excited. I, 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 think, I think things will be fun. I think they'll be good. There's a lot more. There's a couple more fun promotional nights coming up at the arena. So those are going to be fun. The crowds are coming back. They realize Ben Simon's gone. They're showing up. They're showing out. They're having fun. The past like six games we've gone to, or at least I've gone to, have been a good time, and the crowds have been yeah. into it and fun. I'm excited, and yeah, I mean, it's just good vibes going forward with this team right now. I just hope everyone continues to play at the pace they are and continues to improve. If you know, if we're lucky enough to carry guys like Simon Edmondson and Jonathan Bergen all the way to the end here, like. That's even better for us. If Casper can continue to play well, great. If Mazer can continue to heat up, fantastic. If Amadeus heats up, amazing. And the veterans continue to play the way they are too. Like, this is going to be great. It's going to come down to goaltending, and I think we're in really good hands on that end. Yeah. Which is crazy. Been, 
I would say that as well. Like as long as Kosa and Hutch can stay consistent, I'm not asking for out of the world numbers like Kosa's been putting up. But I mean, if he's if he's staying steady and consistent, I think this team does have a chance to go pretty far. I mean, it, it's crazy. It's exciting. I can't wait for Monday's episode though. After we lose both games this weekend, and we're like. Fives are back to a down low. No, <laughs> no, they still won't be low. Because like, at the same time, Manitoba's no slouch. They no. took us to three goal comebacks in both games we played against them in Manitoba. Last time they were in Grand Rapids, it wasn't a fun time. But this is a different team. The craziest part is, too, like I said, I feel like, you know, we just played them, what, two weeks ago? Yeah. I feel like the team they played two weeks ago is completely different already. Why? Like, the Griffins. The Griffins are completely different oh. than the team they were two weeks ago already. Just in how much they've grown in two weeks. Like what they how they grow and improve game by game, like you were mentioning, it it's it's fantastic. Like when we watched Ben Simon coach this team last year, we would complain about something left and right for weeks and weeks and weeks, and then all of a sudden something would maybe change a little bit. And then they'd fall right back into that same terrible habit. Every time we're like, wow, that game, this is what stood out to us. It might just be blatantly obvious for everybody, but this is what stood out to us. And Dan Watson's already ahead of that. He identified it. He saw what that was. He's not taking the advice from us. Trust us. I'm sure he's not. But at the same time, like he's already seeing these things ahead of time, has a plan in place, puts the plan in place, and goes and runs with it. And they make improvements. I mean, look at we watched them have three terrible starts in a row, and then we watched them come out the last three games and have amazing starts. In the three-game period, they figured out how to play as a team in the first period and the second period already again. So it, we're in good hands. I'm so excited. I'm excited. My question to you, though, is who do you think, based on how it is right now, and I'm not talking about the top guys on the team, your top point getters, who do you think is going to be the most improved player on this team by the end of the season? Sebastian Cosa. That's a good pick. That's that's really my MVP. That's probably my most improved player. Cosa is a good choice. Are you, I mean, you could put Cas. You could put Marco Casper there. I know he's I'd already improved the... so much. That's just an yeah. easy one, right? I'm trying to uh, think. Like I look down the line. I'm like, who's going to turn it around? Not that they're playing bad right now, but who's going to start hitting that going towards that ceiling that we expect them to get to? Amadeus and I think Amadeus definitely has a chance. Again, I think uh, I'm going to go a little out of left field here. Dan Watson? Say, no. <laughs> William Volinder. Yeah, that's a good pick, too. I think you see a second half of the season from him that blows the first half of the season out of the water. I think he's really beginning to figure the AHL out, and I think think we're going to see something special. I mean, right now, so we can go back and look at this at the end of the season, he's 38 games played, three goals, four assists, seven points. He's a plus one. Only had eight penalty minutes on the season. I I see him hitting the 20 to 25 point space this season as a defenseman in his first year in the AHL. I'm just looking, I'm looking at his stats. I'm looking at 2-0 stats as well. Um, they both have could... the chance to do that, but I think I think Volander has a breakout second half of the season. Yeah, I uh, 
Do you think he ends up playing like Biro did at the end of the last season? Yeah, Where that's you... kind of what I feel like is going to happen here. I could see that. Because like as this it... lineup comes back together, we're going to see shifts and changes. Like there's going to be changes. Like you got to fit a Matt Luff in, you got to fit a Lasperance back in. And there's going to be changes on the top end, but the defensive end is pretty much figured out. We have a surplus of them. Are we carrying them the whole season or are we going someone going to Toledo? Whatnot. Somebody going to Detroit. Like, right. It's a possibility. So Probably. I think either way, Volinder is going to have a consistent role over and over that he's going to be able to grow and improve on. I, th- I think the second half of the season is going to be big for him. I do too. I think they're, I think you're right there. I mean, there's going to be movement at some point. Um, I mean, I wanted to kind of touch on this as I listened to Grandline yesterday and they, they were kind of, in li- they were right there in line with what you and I were thinking was if they trade, um, they were looking at people that have been in the trade talks for Detroit and Shane Gossespierre was one and they're like, holy crap, his plus minus is terrible, which they, they know plus minus is not the all end all be all. But when you look at outliers, like the, it stands out and he's been like this all season and people have not been screaming his name as loud as I have. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to toot my own horn this entire episode, but Clearly. so they're like, if they trade him, do we look at bringing up Albert Johansson, give him his nine games, let him play and then send him back down. To- oh, they had this discussion too. They yeah they had this discussion so I was like oh, oh interesting we thought the same thing so it was kind Did of funny. He did his ours. <laughs> uh no 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 they were there. <laughs> like we our ours was respectful. respectful. It was it was a good it was yeah. a good conversation. But yes, yeah. um it was probably a little bit tone heavy aggression, but with you and I, but um <laughs> we met well at the end. Uh but. So I was like, that's an interesting spot. And I also thought too, then I was listening to them last night. I was I was out running. So like my brain was running. I was thinking through everything. They were talking about uh, Jonathan Bergen's been in trade talks as well. If or if you see David Perron get shipped out, you move Bergy up. And oh. so my thinking is like, well, guess who's coming back here soon for the Griffins? Luff. Matt Luff. Matt Luff slots right into that spot and takes that Bergy spot. So I was like, oh, this kind of plays real well into everything. And if they if Detroit does find a partner to be able to uh, dance with and to trade some of these defensemen, I mean, it's because we have Justin Hole, we have Olimata. Wait, I love you, Ali. But um, <laughs> it's like all these like depth defensive partners and it's just like trying to trade some of these guys that we have to be able to move up people from the roster but um I, i'm still not agreeing with you on doing the trades to bring these guys up for us to lose playoffs positions but i'm like the the nine games make sense for albert yeah i mean it'll be interesting to see how things shake out we will see changes the post all-star break is when things are going to start to shift into motion for all teams we're going to see a lot of changes we might see a team relocate who knows but <laughs> oh uh, yeah, bye coyotes. <laughs> um yeah, it's uh it's gonna be interesting. But I want to pose one last question that we gotta hit an ad break de- desperately. Do you who do you think is the player that's near the 
bottom half of the team in production right now. That's not going to improve. That's hard for me to like, as I'm looking at the defenseman stats right in front of me, like it's hard because like, I don't know the extent to Emil Vero's injury. So like, I don't want to throw him there. He's only got 12 yeah, We don't need to throw in. him into that. He's injured. So let's take the guys yeah. out that have been hurt recently. Um, I mean, are you looking for an answer? There's one that stands him? out to me that I figured you would grab onto, but. <laughs> what, Jeremy Kaisek? Um, I mean, who's not going to improve? Yeah, who do you think's not like who do you think is struggling to figure it out this season? That's it, they're just not gonna get it figured out. Cross Anders. I have Cross. a fear that that's the correct answer. Yeah, I think it's that's... unfortunate because I am a big cross guy. Like we loved his play last year, and this year he just has not figured out. He's been healthy, scratched multiple games. He's got and... 32. For this season, and 32 to other guys having 38 or 40. Like he's missed, he has not been injured, he's been just healthy scratched. Any games he's missed, he's healthy scratch. So, his, stat, his stats so far three goals, four assists, seven points. He's a minus one with 28 penalty minutes. And people that are doing that have less points than oh, geez, less goals than him are Tratton Bliss, who's currently with the Toledo Walleye. He's only played but, two games with us this season. Yep, uh, Riley Sawchuk, who's played four games, and then Alex Doucette, who's played six games. So, um, yeah, that's uh, cross. I, I don't even know what to say. It's, it's not good. It's not good. It's not the same cross hand as we saw last year, which is weird. I wonder what's going on. Even points wise, he's like the worst, like the worst forward. I mean, you're. I mean, last year he he turned it on at the right time, and then he got injured. It was terrible. He came back into training camp from his injury, and we were like, "Wow, he looks fantastic preseason. He looked so good." And in kind of happens, he has not figured it out. I mean, a perfect comparison. Look at last year: thirty games played, nine goals, eight assists, seventeen points, uh, twenty-two penalty minutes. Yet two more games played this year, seven points. He's still ten shy of where he was. At 30 games last year, he's projected to play the play 64, and still they get the 14 points and not hit where he hit last year. It's so weird. And what I'm hoping everyone listening that's happening right now is there's a habit of we talk crap about somebody on this podcast <laughs> and their performance, well, and they go on a freaking heater. So cross, it's not us being negative. We want you to succeed, and hopefully he hopefully figures it out, man. I don't think it's crap. I don't think we talk crap about players. No, it's just statistics, right? <laughs> yeah, we just point out the outliers. Well, I mean, you go from a kid who played, I mean, he came from the WHL. He played with Port in Portland, where Nate Danielson is right now. They're an offensive powerhouse mm-hmm. team. They always have been, but he had 86 points in 63 games with them, and he hasn't broken 20 in the pros yet. That's concerning. It's 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 concerning, but well, you know, it is really concerning. He's he's a second-round draft pick. 86 points in the WHL. Hasn't passed 17 in the pros. Do you think it's a do you think it's a more of a personal thing than a like a, a like a it's a person thing and not a player thing? Like skill and will type thing or Yeah, maybe he's dealing with something off ice. Maybe it's more of a mental thing. It's possible. We don't know. 
he's 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 22 years old. He's a child still. It's not writing off cross handness by any means. I just don't think the improvement will come this season. I again, I, I think I've said it before. I don't know if it's ever made it into the final edit or not, but I think a stint in Toledo would do him well. Yeah, it has the potential to to get the spark back. Nobody on this team takes reassignment negatively. No one in this organization does. The way these coaches and management handle this, they all take it pretty well. I mean, Berge was hit or miss for a second, but he's clearly clearly on the up and ups with his attitude about being in Grand Rapids. I think if you approach it with Cross, you're like, hey, look, you're not sitting in the press box, but you're, you're going to go play in Toledo and go, go play five, ten games down there. Qualify them for the playoffs down there. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe Toledo needs a guy right now, too, at the stretch that they kind of gone through. Yeah, we'll get to that after the ad break here. They've had a rough rough uh, go around. An offensive spark like that, a young kid who's really gritty, he can play that tough ECHL game. The fans are going to hate it, but, man, it makes sense. And like I said, it's not a punishment thing. It's a go find your game. Go find your spark. Go light it up for 10 games. Come back up here and tear it up. Go get your mojo back. Yeah, that's all it is, man. His last goal, you saw the monkey off the back celebration, and the monkey jumped right back on. <laughs> like, it sucks. It sucks. was a gorilla. How much Dude, of a it monkey. Is. <laughs> like, King Kong over there. My God. I just hate to see um, that. I just hate to see his stats like this. Like, they, like, I wish there was somebody we could talk to and be like, what is going on with him? You know what I mean? Like something's it's not fitting. Something doesn't fit. I'm going to, I want to keep an eye on him this weekend and see what's going on. Cause he's not even noticeable out there. Like Elmer, we can tell when he's out there, he's <laughs> baby on skates for a while. Right. Like cross has just disappeared. Like not noticeable unless he's sitting in the box, you know? It's odd. Yeah. It's so weird. It's so strange. After you read it off those stats from last year, and me seeing them for this year, it just it doesn't something doesn't add up. And it's not like he's not really fair on the fourth line. It's it's not like he's he's usually second or third, third or fourth now. But yeah, still. well as he should. There's, but there's guys <laughs> on those lines figuring it out. They've obviously yeah. played in the AHL a lot longer. They figured out this league like. I don't know. Again, so weird. not a punishment, but I think a Toledo move for five, ten games is a great move. If that's even possible, I don't know what his contract looks like. I'm assuming it's possible, but who knows? Anyways, I think that's enough for the Griffins midseason. We're overall very happy with where the Griffins are midseason. We are super pumped. And we can't well, wait to see what the rest of the season brings. I know you're excited. I'm excited. I know it's going to bring big things for us, big things for the team. I just want the city to have a playoff team again, man. That's all I want. What, what we deserve. You, what would you give the rating for this team overall? A plus? Gold star? couple gold I'm stars? I'm going to say if you do a letter grade, I'm going to go a solid B. Solid B. It ain't perfect. It ain't in the A category yet. I'd say a solid B. What? You disagree. Yeah, you're crazy. All right. What 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 do you what do you think? What do you think the letter grade should be? I, I would put an A. 
You put an A. It's not like full A, full blown, not an A minus. Yeah. Not a B plus, a full A. The full A. See, I look at it and I go like Milwaukee right now. They get an A, A minus. A to A minus. Cleveland, they get an A minus. Hershey, Hershey gets an A. Hershey is the standard. Hershey is a 36 win, eight loss team. God, that's insane. <laughs> to say that out loud, that's insane. 36 wins, eight losses. That is pretty crazy. We are a 20 win, 15 loss team. It is a solid B. And I don't think anyone in the organization would be mad about a B right now. I am. There's plenty of time for extra credit to get that grade back up. What a B, man. I think that's uh, where we were last year. This time last year, we were like D. That's what, I, that's what I'm saying. Compared to last year, this team, I'm not comparing it to... I'm not doing a comparison Hershey. grade. I'm talking about overall what their grade on the season would be. Yeah, a, a B, 100%. 100%. Matt standards, that's it. If it was an A, uh, things would be a lot different. A lot different. Your A teams like, have single-digit losses in the season. I feel like you spent that is the too much standard. time with Terrence. We don't say that name on this podcast. I think yeah, I think you spent too much time with Terrence. Yeah, I I think their expectations of a rookie coach, a rookie. I'll give him a B plus just because you pressured me. All right, well, there's our letter grade. There's our midseason recap of the Griffins. Let's hit this ad break. So send it over to DraftKings when we come back. We will talk all things Toledo Walleye. Looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58? DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn 5 bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. Currently, the Kansas City Chiefs money line is plus 105, so if you bet $5, you could win $10.25. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code THPN. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with code THPN. The crowd is yours. Problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467369. In Connecticut, help available for problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Will Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age raised by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. cdkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And we are back. Good ad read, sir. But you know what's even better? Ad read, my ad read that's live for everythinghockey.com. So head over to everythinghockey.com. Use code WEST. Get 10% off of sick hoodies like this one I'm wearing right now. Hockey and beer one. I absolutely love this thing. Love all their stuff we've had so far. Great partners. Yeah. But anyways, let's jump into our next segment, which is now dubbed Toledo Thursdays or Walleye Wednesday if you're here in the room listening while we're recording. But it's Toledo Thursday. So let's talk about them Toledo Walleye because things have been uh interesting to say the least. A lot of a lot of things have changed. So they are suddenly three, four, one, and two in their last 10 games. What? Feel, it feels wrong, right? Now let's preface this with before we talk about the games that happened this weekend. They're 43 games played, 26 wins, nine losses. Three overtime losses, five shootout losses. Shootout is a bad thing for this team. Like our team. Yeah. 
uh, 60 points on the season, 182 goals scored, 140 goals against. So that's where they're at still. Goal differential is still absolutely insane. They're still third in the entire Western Conference. They are still first in the Central by six points with Wheeling behind them. Things are things look bad right now when we talk about some of these past results, but in reality, overall, they're not bad still. People need to relax a little bit, but fans that we talk to are calling for change. They're calling, they're calling for something to be different. What we're seeing is they're struggling to win games, and the coaching staff isn't making any corrections. So two weeks ago, they went through a really ugly weekend. It was Toledo Storm weekend. And they had their first two games that weekend. They lost them. They were really bad games. One of them was against Kalamazoo, who has this team's number again for some reason. And what we heard was that the players did a players-only meeting after that game to try to right the ship and get things back together. The player leadership decided to take this upon themselves and do it. And then they won the next game 9-1 to on that Sunday. So things started to roll. But then they come into this weekend, and they had a weird three-game stretch against the Norfolk Admirals, a team they don't really ever play. This is the only time this season they might actually play this team, and they had three all in Toledo this weekend, and it was just weird. So let's jump into Friday's game here. The Walleye dropped this one, 4-3 to in a shootout. Another game where fans were looking for something to change, and the boys just didn't make any corrections. You know, you have guys on the team that are still scoring like crazy, like Brandon Hawkins. You know, I think he got his 23rd goal of the season in that game. He's still doing the Brandon Hawkins thing. But looking at that game, a shootout loss there. Highlights for us there is that Santazo had two assists in the game. Bliss had an assist. Sawchuk had an assist. But that was really it. Just a really, really ugly game by the Fish. Fans, not happy in this one. Jan Bednar stops 38 of 41. He had 42 shots against in this to Toledo's 27 shots on goal. That's an important trend that we'll continue to talk about over this weekend here. They go into Saturday, which I should point out Saturday, another sellout action in Toledo. They're 20th of the season. The fans still love this team, whether they want to admit it online or not. They do love them. But they ended up losing this game 2-1, to and guess what? A shootout. So two of those five shootout losses they had in the season are this weekend against Norfolk. John Lethemann got the start in this one, and what we heard was John Lethemann is the reason that this game even went to a shootout. John Lethemann had a bounce-back John Lethemann-like game, which he hasn't had much of this season. He has struggled. His numbers aren't where we're used to seeing John Lethemann. But he held them to just the one regulation goal, stopped 44 of 45 shots. Another night where Toledo gives up 46 shots to Norfolk. Toledo did put up 32 shots. so. They got back to their usual selves there. 0 for 3 on the power play. Power play has been really bad lately. And, you know, highlights for us in this one was the first goal of the game, which was a walleyes. In the second period, Doucette got his eighth of the season with Sawchuck assisting. As Griffins fans, we love here. And we need both of those guys to continue to succeed. And overall in this one, man, just another ugly game. Quite a few penalties, quite a few roughing penalties. It really felt like according to our friend Travis down there, who's a season ticket holder, it felt like this game was setting up for what was going to be an ugly Sunday game. And then Sunday comes around with the attendance of 7,777 on the dot, 7777 across the board. The game got ugly. 
uh, where Norfolk ended this game with 73 penalty minutes. This is my favorite game of the weekend. Oh, hands down. Well, it's easy to be the favorite game because it's the second Sunday in a row that the Walleye win 9-1. to one. Again, struggle in the first two games. Sunday comes around, and it's Sunday fun day in Toledo. The boys went off. You know, Sawchuck got his 13th of the season. He got his 14th of the season. Hawkins got his 24th of the season. Craig's got his 22nd of the season. Sawchuck had a couple assists. Hawkins had a couple assists. Doucette had some assist action in there. And the power play went two for six. The power play clicked in this game. But something weird happened at the near the end of this game where we kind of had a mini line brawl. So uh, Pat Mickish, their coach, was smart and went with John Letheman after his performance Saturday night, went with him again on Sunday. He stops 28 for 29. And we see John Letheman getting the skirmish at the end of the game here. And, oh, boy, was it funny. If you haven't seen it yet, it's on our Twitter page. It's on Toledo's as well. But guy kind of crashes the net and pokes at John a little bit. And, of course, the team didn't like that, so they take care of him. And then everybody comes in, including Letheman, throwing a couple blocker punches in there. At this point, Norfolk's – it wasn't Norfolk's starting goalie. It was their goaltender, their backup that night. Comes off the bench to join the altercation. It is now serving a five-game suspension for that. And their coach has also got a one-game suspension as well. So – this game went off the rails so quick. Like I'm looking at the third period here, and at the 20-minute mark of the period, you have a roughing penalty, a game misconduct for leaving the bench. That's the goalie. Another ru- fighting penalty, a roughing, a double minor for roughing, a cross-checking minor, a fighting major. This is all the 20-minute mark of the period. This, this game got absolutely out of hand. It is weird. I want to know the details on this one because I can't, I can't find it, and I didn't see notes about it. One of their players at the eight-minute mark of the third had a game misconduct, and it's classified as other infraction. I really want to know what that is. I don't know what that is. But going through the actual penalty stat sheets here, there's also a funny one. That's a helmet violation. We haven't seen many of those ever called, but there's a helmet violation. But I see one misconduct, Another misconduct, an unsportsmanlike conduct, a misconduct, a game misconduct, a misconduct, a game misconduct. (laughs) Like when you think ECHL back in the old days where it's just beating the crap out of each other, this game turned into beating the crap out of each other. Uh, And the walleye did it both on the ice and on the score sheet in this one. So overall, the walleye are in a weird spot right now. We really don't know what's going to come next for them. Their schedule is, it's an ECHL schedule. It's not easy. Like None of these ECHL schedules are easy. We've seen some crazy stuff in the past from these guys. And I look at just this weekend alone, if Kalamazoo back-to-back, home and home. Oh, and we're terrible against Kalamazoo. This is this is kind of that weekend where it feels like, you know, we talked a while ago about is this the weekend the Griffins find their identity and find their stride? Is this the weekend the walleye show what it's gonna look like for the rest of the season? Is this the is this what changes the tide? Does it change for the negative or does it change for the positive? Can they get back to that team that's just absolutely outscoring everyone? Because clearly the scoring talent is there. Oh yeah. Back to back Sundays dropped nine goals in each game against, you know a Norfolk team that's fifth in the Eastern Conference. They're not like a bad team by any means. So 
what is this what is this going to look like? I think it's going to be pure chaos. You have Friday night in Toledo, which is probably going to be almost a sellout game. It usually is on a Friday down there. And then you have Sunday in Cal or Saturday in Kalamazoo that is a sold out game in Kalamazoo. It is 100% sold out. Is there pink the rink night? You have the pink ice going. It's going to be a rowdy bunch of people. So what can Toledo do? And something has to change. I hope the coaching staff focused on one of their biggest glaring problems, which is defense. Defensively, they're not playing well. They're obviously giving up multiple games with 40 shots against back to back to back to yeah. back to back. Your goalie can only help you so long. And, you know, we've talked multiple times this season about the goalie stats down there. And we're like, what's going on? But it it might not be a goalie's problem. It, I think it's a defensive problem. I think it's team defense, not just the regular defenseman. It's the forwards as well. I mean, it's you know what John Lethem is capable of. He oh, can yeah. steal games. He played last year with Poirier. Like he was the goalie of the year. CHL goalie of the year. Yeah. Like <laughs> you can't continue to let him bombard with forty-four shots per game. Like that's got to be fixed quick. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. It's just it's so weird. Like the the entire organization is playing the same system, so it's not a system change. Uh, I don't think, I mean, you're going to have roster changes and stuff through the ECHL. It's going to disrupt. But a lot of those same guys are the core guys from last year. If I, if, I mean, from what I remember, and I, and I don't, and you know, I apologize. I don't follow Toledo as well as I cover like Detroit or Grand Rapids, you know. So, um, but like some of these names look familiar each week, you know, Santazo, um, You've got, and we know Drusette, Riley are, are down there as well. So, uh, yeah, that just that's a lot of shots to be given up. It's so weird. Yeah. And, you know, I was just glancing while you were talking there, too, trying to just like do some comparisons between like shots against for the goalies in Grand Rapids and down there. And it's not a ton of a dip. It, 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 no, it's, it's, they're substantial. So, John Lethemon has faced 611 shots in 22 games. Jan Bednar has faced 574 and 21. In comparison, Sebastian Costa has faced 511 and 20, and Michael Hutchinson's faced 471 and 20. So it's it's not that much different, but there's 100 shots between them, each one. Like, that's a lot. In, yeah. in hockey, that's a lot. 100 shots is a lot. They've got to clean it up defensively, and the power play has got to get back to what they're good at doing. I mean, I don't understand what is happening there. You think they're cheating too much? Like, I I don't know. Like, if they're cheating too much for offense, not playing the You mean like, oh, like leaving them kind of hung out to dry a little bit? Yeah. It's possible. I would need to physically watch a few more games for that, but it's definitely possible. It's hard for us because they I, don't televise. Like it's hard. It's it is hard, and our our buddy Travis down there does a great job of keeping us informed too. You know, he's he's talked multiple times that the power play is, ugh. um, 
I guess the only like, a positive to pull out of this, because I don't want to like not talk about it or talk, I don't want to talk about it just negatively. I mean, they're on a four game point streak because of all the yeah. shootouts. Like, again, like we said, they're 26 and nine on the season, plus some overtime shootout losses. They have a 60, 60.5% win percentage on the season. Like, so this is where you're rolling play, out an A. Are you giving them an A right now for the season? Toledo themselves. Yeah, I can't give I can't give a letter grade for that. If I'm going based off record alone, I'd say A minus for sure. Dude, Toledo's a wagon still. Like, yes, they've had a bad stretch of games. They are a wagon though. But I mean, you got to talk power play percentage. They're still 27.1% on the power play, and they're 82.4% on the PK. How how do they rank in the league with those? So the ECHL site's weird, and I can't really rank the league. But I'm going to pull a random team and say Kalamazoo because they struggle against them, right? And this is why this is such a strange thing. I'm going to go through all the stats here for you, top to bottom. Goal scored, Toledo, 182. Kalamazoo, 123. Shorthanded goals, Toledo has seven on the season to Kalamazoo's three. Power play, Toledo, 27%. Kalamazoo, 15%. Kalamazoo's got the edge on the penalty kill at 84% to Salido's 82. Why do we suck against this team? It's like Detroit and Ottawa. Just cannot beat that team. Right? That's what it does feel like. It's super (laughs) weird that it's like that, but that's almost exactly what it feels like. Don't understand. And I think a lot of the fans down there don't understand as well. Like the expectations for this team, we got us with the expectations are high. The expectations are Kelly Cup or nothing. Like, that's what people want. And when you look at the way they played the last 10 games, you're like, oh, that's not the greatest thing in the world. But you're still rolling with a single-digit loss team whose goal differential is almost it's 42 goals positive. Like, for some reason, we struggle against, you know, the team that's fifth in the division. We just happen to have played them a lot lately. I mean, Kalamazoo's got 21 wins of the season. I wonder how many of those are against the walleye. <laughs> Probably 10. That's what it's starting to feel like. <laughs> I don't so Toledo, but... I've got the I've got the NHL standings pulled up and they're like Boston, 42 goal differential, uh, 10 losses. I mean, that's and we continue to have Boston's well, we did for a while, Boston's number in the beginning of the season. Uh, and I think it's more balanced out now. Comparatively for Detroit, so that's probably yeah. a really good comparison, to be honest. <laughs> it honestly is like they are the Boston of the ECHL, man. Like I, I pulled the other comparison because you know, like I said, I can't tell you exactly where like the power play ranks and everything through the whole league, but the second place team in the in the Central is Wheeling, the Wheeling Nailers. So I pulled them up. Power play for Wheeling, nineteen percent, twenty-seven percent for Toledo. Penalty kill for Wheeling, 78%, Toledo, 82 Like, these comparisons aren't doing me any favors. Like, we go to the best team in the entire conference, the Kansas City Mavericks, and Toledo beats them in those categories there, too. So, like, to put it big picture for everyone is the sky is not falling for Toledo. They just got to make some adjustments. The concern is that they haven't seen those adjustments over multiple games. But again, how do you make major adjustments when you lose when you lose two games in a shootout? You push them all the way to a shootout, 
and then you turn around on the Sundays and win nine to one. What, what adjustments do you make? Like as a coach, you sit there going, okay, well, I make adjustments on defense. We're going to lose offense and maybe we don't score nine goals. We'll score eight. <laughs> I don't know what, if I'm Pat, I'm scratching my head too. Going, what the heck do I do here? Yeah. I, I don't know. You, they... call, you call Dan. Yeah. <laughs> That's maybe what you do Dan... Pat right now. You call Dan. And maybe Dan was down there this week during the with the All Star break, and maybe he was down in Toledo visiting, and I, I don't know. You know, he went down for the Storm weekend, and he was there for that nine to one win. But yeah, I don't know if he was there this this weekend. It, it's weird, man. There's a lot of hockey left to be played in the ECHL. A lot of hockey left, and like we yeah, said, but... there's some good separation from the teams behind them. You know, they're ten points out of third place. They're Got 12 points out of fourth. You know, there's some good separation there. They just can't slip too much. The stream is headed in the right direction for these walleye. They said train, not stream. And I'm like, sure, stream. that works too. No stream. If Toledo can come out and beat Kalamazoo in one or both of these games this weekend, everybody's feelings will be reversed on it. Like, give them a podcast pump. You know, maybe they need that little podcast bump. Who knows? But. That's all I've got for Toledo Thursday. Do you have anything else you had questions about Toledo or do you want me to move on to the next topic? Go walleye. Um, one last thing to talk about before we end this this Thursday episode. Nate Danielson. I got to give him a little bit of time here. Red Wings, top draft pick of last season. The guy who borderline almost made the dang team this season. Since his trade to Portland from the Brandon Wheat Kings uh, has kind of been an offensive wagon. He's only got three goals in the 10 games he's played. He's got 10 assists, though. He's at 13 points. To put that in perspective, when he was in Brandon for 26 games, 12 goals, 14 points, 26 assists. He is well on pace. I'll do that. And he, that team is ridiculous. I mean, there's multiple games since he's gotten there now. I'm seeing that team win, like, 11 to 8-1, one. 8-2, 11-1. Yeah. Like, the team's going to be fun to watch in – Maybe the Memorial Cup. Oh, in Saginaw. Uh -huh. Are you hinting towards something later? That would be sweet. That would be like, sweet. I would really like, really, really like that. I mean, we're we're going to that one of those games, no matter what. But I think two, two of them. But to see uh, if Nate was there too, that would make it even sweeter for us. So. I just wanted to bring that up, though, because we he's a guy we don't know where he's going to end up next year. Is he going to make that leap straight to Detroit and cause complete chaos up and down the lineup at this point with guys who were playing here that wanted to go there next? Who knows? But there's also a part of us that feels that we know Steve Eiserman's really patient with his prospects, and we could see him in Grand Rapids for a little bit. So he's a guy we'll continue to keep an eye on, talk about here and there. We're not going to start covering the Portland Winter Hawks like we covered the Flint Firebirds when Lombardi was there. We're not going to do that. But when we see good updates, we'll throw them out there every once in a while. So, I mean, yeah, outside of that, anything else you wanted to talk about this week? No, just, uh, yeah, no, I'm good. Nothing else sad. Cool. Excited for the weekend. Yeah, very excited for this weekend. Two games, Griffins first Manitoba Moose, Friday, Saturday. Follow along with us on Twitter. We'll do our best to update. It's really hard for us to update them while we're at the games, too. But we'll do our best to keep it updated for everybody. But outside of that, that wraps up the Thursday episode. Thank you all for listening. Shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network for being amazing partners to us. Shout out to DraftKings for being great sponsors and Everything Hockey. Again, go to everythinghockey.com. Use code WEST to get 10% off your order there. Helps out the show. We appreciate it. 
with that, though, I think you have some Patreon people to thank. Yes. Uh, thank you, Randy Zick and Michael Asante uh, for uh, your donations. It does help us immensely to be able to continue to do this. And uh, we've got some pretty cool interviews set up uh, moving forward. So I'm excited for those. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff coming. But with that, everybody have a fantastic weekend. Go Griffins. Go Walleye. Go Wings. Because the Wings will be back in action too. And we will talk to you all with our special guest on Monday. Have a good weekend, everybody. Love you. Bye. Thank you for tuning into the Hockey Town West podcast. Be sure to check us out on Twitter at HockeytownWPod and your host, Nick at GR Hockey Guy and Brandon at Brandon GR Hockey.